What is a summertime patriot? Y'all heard me use this term many times. A summertime patriot is someone who is willing to stand up for what's right and willing to take pride in their nation and stand for the rights and liberties and freedoms that we were granted just because we were born here. When it's easy. When it's popular. When it's fun. When it's cool. There are people that talk a good talk, but they do not walk a walk. When shit gets hard, they run. When it's time to make that hard call and say that hard thing. Well, it's don't rock a boat, don't cause drama. Well, surely it can't be that bad. Well, come on. They'll be better than that, won't they? And they sit there and they do nothing. And we've all been guilty of it for far too long. It's how we got to this particular part. Wake up! These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this time of crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands by deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What obtained too cheap we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. We seek fellow winter soldiers because unlike the sunshine patriots, we stand by our country. Through thick and thin, doing whatever it takes to serve it, including exposing the crimes of those in government, in order to steer it back to the right track. Let it be told that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and to repulse it. The term winter soldier is contrast of the summer patriot, who deserted at Valley Ford because things got hard. We were drawing the blood red line, have to be the winter soldiers now. We could be quiet. We could comply and live peaceful lives, but we feel because of what threatens this country, the medical tyranny, the silencing of dissenting voices, not from foreign nations, but our own government, it is why we must speak and stand. Remember the final line of the declaration that we mutually pledged each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our secret honor. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It must be fought for, protected, for if trouble must come, let it come in our time, so that our children can live. Hello, welcome to another episode of Winter's Call Podcast. I'm Odin. And this is Tim. And today we're going to do part two of the quick start to prepping. Now, for those of you who didn't catch part one, we discussed water, cooking methods, and food. Today. We're going to talk about, we're going to start off with heat. For those of you who live in a climate that is not Florida, winter weather during a powder out, power outage can, it, it, it's an emergency. It, it can be life-threatening. I mean, we don't get very many cold days in Florida, but, you know, if you ask my wife, it gets below 70, we need the heater on. So, you know, uh. It, it does get cold enough to be dangerous here, but not very often and not for very long. But up north in, in like Baldur's neck of the woods, nine yeah. months out of the year, you got to have a heater on or you're going to freeze to death. 
So, uh, so it is vital to have the ability to stay warm if the power goes out. You know, most central heating systems require electricity to run the fan or motors. Uh, but we have some options. Again, we're going to start at the freer ones and then work our way down, right, uh, for backups. Right? Uh, and it's especially poignant because apparently this year the weather has decided that it wants to stay winter for a while. Uh, it's probably due to the volcanic ash and the uh, hydrosulfuric acid in the air. Now, now you can go fuck yourself for being in fucking Florida right now, all right? I'm pissed. Three days ago, it was 31. Yesterday, it was 81. And then now it's back down to 41. <laughs> yeah, we're up here is more bipolar. <laughs> we've been at nine. We've been at 90s for the past two weeks. <gasps> so. Yeah, well, it can't make up its mind. And let me tell you something. I don't, you know, I got arthritis in that knee that I broke, right? Right. It's going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's like, make up your mind, damn it. I've had the AC on and then I've had the heater on. I had the AC on and the heater on. I was like, this is ridiculous. Uh-huh. But quick changes like that, like, I don't think people realize exposure, especially to cold, is very dangerous because it sneaks up on you because you'll get numb before you yeah. realize exactly how cold you are and then you'll go to sleep and you will not wake back up. True. So let's start with the cheap one. The cheapest Charcoal one? Grill. No, wood heat. <laughs> Everyone's favorite off-grid heating method is a fireplace or wood stove. The fuel is renewable. You have the added bonus of off-grid cooking method. Uh, if your home doesn't have one, though, it can be an expensive thing to install. Uh, if you rent, it's probably not going to be an option at all to add wood heat to someone else's property. Um Make sure that if you do have a wood stove, however, or uh, a wood fireplace, make sure you have a good supply of seasoned firewood that is well protected from the elements. Also, make sure that you have kept up on the maintenance for the flue of your chimney. All right. I love fireplaces, but I think the biggest fuck up I see on a regular basis, even up here in Kentucky, like I had to... I had to hit one of my friends over the head with this. They like to burn green wood, and then they do not make sure that chimney flume is clean. Yeah. The the other issues is that sometimes you need to re-strike your, uh, like if you have brick, you need to sit here and, and put that mortar back in. Because mm-hmm. if it gets hot, it, it, it starts to degrade. All right. So the second most cheapest one is propane heaters. You need to get ones that do not require electricity. Little Buddy Heater is one example. They're small portable heaters that are considered safe for indoor use in 49 states. I do not know what the 50th state is, but it's probably Florida because it's always Florida. So, <laughs> but they, they attach it's California. To, probably. <laughs> it causes cancer. Probably. <laughs> They attach to a small propane canister. They use the little two ounce fuels or the, the little small camping canisters. Uh, they can heat a hundred square feet, extremely warm and toasty. Uh, they still recommend, even if you use them indoors, to get a battery operated carbon monoxide alarms, just as you know, extra. Uh, if you have a bigger area to heat, uh, it can spread to like 200 square feet. 
uh, be sure to stock up on propane, though, if this is your backup heating method. Again, only use ones that are that are are designed to work indoors. Uh, let's see. The next one is kerosene and oil heaters. Kerosene heaters burn a wick for heat. They're fueled by the addition of heating oil. Uh, the heaters uh, throw out a lot of warmth. Uh, some of the convection kerosene heaters can heat up to a thousand square feet efficiently. Uh, when you live in a city, uh, you the, that is probably your cheapest bet in ter- because uh, in terms of heating up large spaces. Uh, the next one is natural gas fireplaces. Uh, at my house, I don't like this. At my house, we have seven fireplaces. One of them is gas. One of them is wood. All of the rest of them are gas. They will still work when the electric power goes out, and they won't ble- blow out. Uh, uh, the downside to those is that they are not very economical when it comes to the amount of gas that you use, unless you have a blower fan. Uh, you need to blow that heat into your room. If not, most of the heat goes up. And they don't heat a large area very efficiently without that. You would do better. There was one way I saw how to do it. Uh, A guy, when we were building his house, he actually um, got a little gas heater. But what it does is, or natural gas, but it heats up a pipe. And that pipe is water. And the the, uh, pipes go throughout the whole floor. So he brings it up to a boil and it, it cycles through. My house is almost 100 years old. That ain't happening in my house. Oh, we could rip up the floor. No, I don't uh, know uh, what's buried uh, underneath the uh, floor. Uh, uh, <laughs> that and the, the floor is 100 years old too. Oh, shit. There ain't no ripping yeah. that up. So the pellet stove is the last one. Uh, most of them do require electricity, but there are some that do not. And they'll work without being plugged in. If you have no additional heat at all, uh, I suggest that you learn to dress in layers. If the cold is relentless, normally if you if you have a small room and you have multiple people with you, each person is a 5,200 BTU fireplace, little heater. So if you can shrink the room that you're in, right, you guys will... Uh, a group of four people will fill out a, a 10 by 10 space relatively quick, dress in layers, and give yourself it with your clothes, create an airspace between the cold air and your body temperature. If the daytime temperature in the house dips below 40 degrees, the nighttime temperatures will be lower and it won't be safe to stay there. Uh, people who, uh, children and uh, more frail family members will be more susceptible the colder it gets. Here's how to stay cozier during the storm. We talked about this already. Heating only one room. Cover your windows. Plastic shower curtains, duct tape, top by heavy quilt. Keep the wind from whistling through your windows. This is if you don't have any uh, other heat. However, it will also sit here and Increase your OPSEC, your operational security, keeping your preps private. 
You can use heavy black garbage bags to cover the windows to keep light from escaping. Uh, light candles. Uh, small flames from your candle add warmth to a small area. Be sure to use them safely. Uh, house them in holders that won't tip over. Kerosene lamps also work. Sleeping bags. Uh, there's a sleeping uh, technique where you use the, you know, you put on your clothes with dry socks, right? Then you get in the uh, the, the mummy bag or a, uh, a sleeping bag, cover that. And with an emergency blanket and then a tent, even inside of your house, if you have, if you need the warmth. Uh, another good example. Huh? One, one, one thing I want to point out, especially when you're in some of these newer houses where they don't have as good... Uh, you want to stop up all the cracks. You do not want airflow. If you are trying to maximize your heat, you cannot have airflow. And the there, best insula- I disagree with you. Well, the uh, best insulation is still air. That's how the... Yeah, okay, but here's the problem. Is that right now, the problem with current designs, which is why most houses are not designed for extreme heat or extreme cold, is they sit here, and if you're using an exter uh, a uh, other than your central heating, you get uh, a buildup in chemicals because they're so tight that the CO2 or the carbon monoxide builds up, and that's more dangerous then, than the cold. Well, then okay, if uh, I'll go with you on that, but then you're going to need to try to minimize your airflow because if you have wind coming through at all. I'm not talking a fucking window open. I'm just talking about, you know, because you're talking about sealing up every crack, right? No, you'd want to, you want to minimize as much as you can. Like you want to put stuff underneath the door, right? You don't want to, you know, if, especially your external door, you know, you don't want a whole lot of airflow going in and out. If you're con- trying to conserve, I'm talking about emergency conserving heat. That I still would not seal up every hole. Because you can kill yourself in that situation. That that is why the 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 air inside of houses without the the filters becomes so contaminated and so poisonous for people. You need some airflow. No, I'm not gonna disagree with that, but I'm I'm okay. Maybe they build houses better down there where you're from. Up here, they have a tendency that nothing's fucking square, and the damn thing is like you might as well have a window open, like the wind blows so you can actually see it. It's like what the hell? Well, yeah, but where you live, the near the the newest house is four hundred fucking years old, <laughs> or they're built with moonshine labor. <laughs> okay, fucking fair. <laughs> Hey, you don't want a draft, but you want some airflow. Can we compromise? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Why you got to talk shit on the moonshiners like that? God damn it. (laughs) So, all right. Another thing. Do not not drink. I I know some people will tell you that, you know, get drunk. You know, have Mm -hmm. a couple of drinks. Do not. It thins your blood out. Now, it's one thing to have a shot, right? You can do that and get away with it. Do not drink. A whole lot. I say it because I lost a friend that did that. Gotcha. 
he thought, so, you know, he thought because it was super cold and he was he ran out of firewood because he got snowed in. He's like, well, I've got liquor. I'll, I'll drink a cup of liquor. It made it feel warm. All right. So the next one, other than the sleeping method, is the camp out, right? Where you sit here and you have the little, the little, you know, if you have kids, this works really well. You pitch a tent in the closed off room, get inside with a flashlight or a candle, you know, something that creates a little bit of body heat, right? or a little bit of external heat added to the body heat in a small space like a tent, you'll warm up just fine. <laughs> if if you have propane, gas, or wood in your uh, that you're using to cook indoors, you know, again, like we said before, it's got to be built for inside if you're going to stay inside, right? Your cooking method won't shouldn't re won't require the electricity so then if you cook on it you can use the heat from cooking to warm the room and then if you have to be outside this is the worst one but it has saved my butt when we when we went uh uh snow camping right is that we would have a a, a campfire outside uh of the tent uh we would put rocks around the edge of it and they retain the heat for hours. <laughs> if you have a Dutch oven or you have some form of a, a, a pot, right? When it's bedtime, you take some of those rocks, you put them in the Dutch oven and then you can bring them into the tent. <coughs> However, if you toss and turn, this is not a preferred <laughs> method. <laughs> Or if you're like me and you have restless leg syndrome, a.k.a. you stick one leg out because it gets too hot in the blanket, you touch that thing, you'll wake everybody up for a mile. Right. Now, wait, wait. We're going to tell them that they should not get the rocks that are from a riverbed? <laughs> the rocks should be dry. <laughs> because if the rocks are not dry... We, we had this happen with our fire pit. We built a fire pit for cheap. We used uh, scrap cinder blocks. And they work fine for about six months. And then we got a huge downpour. And, you know, it rained for like three days. And we went out and go light a fire. And it was fine for a couple hours. And then all of a sudden we hear, And one of the cinder blocks had cracked itself. Rocks do the same type of thing if they're wet. So avoid those types. You know, uh, they used to do that. You know, you, you were talking about the Dutch oven or something like that. They used to actually do that a lot back, what, 50, 60 years ago. They even had the little, uh, it looks like a popcorn cooker. Yeah, it goes underneath the bed. Yep. Yep. Hey. One quick joke to make a little levity. Do you, know right. the difference, do you know what the difference between a rich girl and a poor girl was back in I the day? Not. One had a canopy above the bed. The other had a canopy under the bed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, sanitation is our next topic. And that's why I made the joke. I know. All right. Another thing that can quickly become dire. It's personal sanitation. Depending on your situation, if you have running water, flushing toilets, that type of stuff, uh, will depend on what 
what sanitation method works best for you. But in a grid down situation, unless you have a solar powered well water or a hand pump, right? You're probably not going to have running water for very long. Yeah, you are. That's what the kids are for. They run down to the well and get water. Aha. All right. So what can you do in a pinch to keep your family members healthy without having to use that precious precious water for sanitation? Right? Baby wipes. Right? You can never have enough baby wipes stuck up on them for hand washing, uh, for use after the bathroom, uh, before and after food prep. Before eating, you can wipe down surfaces with them. Uh, we're not talking about the Clorox ones. We're talking about the actual baby wipe ones. And do not confuse the baby wipes for the ones that have the uh, rubbing alcohol added, because I made that mistake once. That's not pleasant. Only if you say or wipe your ass with it. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> Any other time, it doesn't matter. Right. But, but, I, was talking about the, I was talking about the, the mixing the baby wipes up with the... Uh, the bleach ones. Oh, you know, the, yeah, it will. It'll, it'll mess, mess up you. your food, right? Well, and plus, I don't think a lot of people realize. Like, some people want to try to use that as a sanitation if they don't have uh, access to a shower or any other kind of thing. They want to wipe down. Don't do it with the Clorox ones because you will dry the fuck out of your skin. <laughs> but you can use baby wipes for hand and surface hygiene when there's no running water. Next is cleaning supplies. You want to keep your home reasonably clean when there's no running water, right? You want to sit here and you want to have cleaning supplies that do not require water to rinse. Again, those Clorox ones work well for cleaning. Uh, You can get that uh, Clorox used to make it. It was a diluted version of their bleach. And you could spray it on anything and then just wipe it away. Or you could just leave it there if you weren't going to use it and it would dry a a thin residue and it killed a bunch of stuff. Lysol is really good, but then you need paper towels and stuff like that. And it just, you know, it's just easier to do, to get cleaning supplies that don't require any extra steps or wasting your precious water. Now comes the fun part. The toilet doesn't work. You must prepare a personal waste plan. Do not you can make a a uh, if you have if you have done any gardening and you have peat moss, you can make a composting toilet. Uh, there are plans out there for human kitty litter toilets. Uh, it must be handled very carefully to avoid the spread of disease and illness. You cannot throw them in a compost pile. You can compost them, but they need to be composted separately than the stuff you put on your garden, right? <laughs> Composting human waste or uh, or meat in general requires a hot compost, and we're not getting into that topic today. So, <laughs> so uh, here are some things. Go ahead. Dig a hole. Depending on where your water is and your water table in florida you cannot dig a hole deep enough without hitting the water table where i'm at for that to be effective look dude i could scratch the top of the ground and hit the water table down there let's put it this way a couple of years ago when we got a bunch of storms that came through 
It, our water table rose so high that I had crawdads crawling out of my grass. Oh, shit. Right? That's the same here, but when I mean dig a hole, um, it's not, people aren't going to be happy when I say this, but you get a bucket, use the bucket for, for your solid waste, but then you, you take it somewhere else. Like you, it's an extra chore, but you do not shit where you sleep. That's that's one of the things I, I see. I agree with you because I understand the composting. I understand, you know, taking it somewhere else. But a lot of people don't have that know-how. And I end up, I've seen it before where they'll go, you know, a couple yards outside of their camp. I'm like, no. <laughs> Why? Right. So I suggest, right, that you sit here. Now, you can use your toilet once after the after the water goes away for free what i mean is is that you have water already in the tank right you can then sit here and flush the toilet one time because the water from the tank will flush out the the toilet itself after that you are required to haul water to use your toilet if any alternative methods are not you don't want to do any of the rest of them. You know what I mean? Like the composting toilet or poop outside. You can still use your toilet, but you're going to have to sit here and use the water that you have gathered to pour into the tank to flush. That being said, there will come a time, depending on how much rain and how long the grid is down, that if you live at the low end of one of the... or if you live, eventually, the possibility is, is that the sewers will back up into your home. Make a plan before that happens. Because <laughs> it's not going back down. The the buddy I told you about that we did the pipes in the floor. Right. And the only reason he, funnily enough, the reason that he does it is because he has a natural gas well on his property. Okay. So, so but anyway, we when we were building the bathroom, I kept asking, he's like, why are we putting so much support here? Like, I could build a whole other freaking house on the top of the supports here in the bathroom. He goes, watch this. A couple days later, uh, he shows up when he's got this humongous drum for catching water. And what he did is he would catch the rainwater up there, and he would use that to flush and to shower. Hmm. It's like, that's actually not a bad idea. Let gravity do most of the work. Fair. All right, so here's a list of stuff that it, that you can keep on hand for water emergencies that are for sanitation. You want to do uh, disposable disinfecting wipes, uh, baby wipes, super absorbent paper towels, basins. And by basins, we mean those disposable tinfoil dishpans, right? You know, the ones that you can get everywhere, right? Your regular spray spray cleaner. I suggest because you can't deal with chemical burns in after the apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? Is to make generic ones, ones that have stand the test of time. Get some essential oil and some vinegar, mix it up, white vinegar, not apple cider vinegar, and mix it up and spray it out. Hydrogen peroxide, all of these are good, basic. You would be surprised what you can do with some coarse salt and vinegar and some baking soda 
all of these store indefinitely that all you have to do is sit here and put them to the side, buy a bunch of it, and then never worry about it until you need it. And then, of course, kitty litter because it soaks up messes, absorbs odor, right? Uh, and you could throw the kitty litter in the toilet. Uh, if the grid goes down entirely and you don't expect it to come back. However, it does come back, you're going to need a new toilet, just saying. Mm. So, <laughs> all right. Now, you were talking sanitation, and I could not remember. I was sitting here thinking about it. Um, one of the reasons that I like using a fireplace when we're talking about heating is an, is something that a lot of people don't think of. I I don't like burning softwood, so I always try to find the hardest wood I can, right? Oak, things like that. Right. You can use the ashes from that with water to make lye. Again, we're trying to not make stuff. Oh. Unless you have done it before, it can be very hard and dangerous. Like, caustically, it is dangerous. We'll have to put it up on the on the website sometime. Because you, you take a... It's like you got to boil it for like an hour or so. and then you There's a lot it. more to it than that. Well, To yeah, make I'm it safe about- to use, it's got to cook for at least 60 days. I was going to say not dirty, but okay. If you do it down and dirty, you could burn your skin off. That's what you Maybe not you, because you grew up in the woods and you bathed in freaking turpentine and moonshine. But normal people who have real skin and not <laughs> stony dwarf skin. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough, all right? We'll talk about making soap later. <laughs> all right. Now let's go to light. Lighting is an absolutely essential skill, especially if you have children in your house, because nothing is scarier than dark during a stressful situation. However, if you're going to do that, I highly suggest that you maintain OPSEC. If you have children who do not like the dark, I suggest that you tag the windows ahead of time and have a way to seal them off. Because you will be surprised how far the slightest bit of light will travel when all of the rest of the lights in God's green earth are gone. Ooh, 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 ooh. So, yesterday, since everybody freaking abandoned me and left me to myself and my own devices, I happened to be driving and stopped by at a place that had a yard sale. Guess who picked up 25 pounds of carbide and about 15 mining carbide lamps? Nice. <laughs> right? For 120 bucks. Nice. <laughs> right? All right. So, if Sorry. you're not lucky enough to get those, <laughs> I may I suggest that there are some very simple lighting solutions that are cheap. The cheapest ones that you will probably find is go to the Dollar Tree and get those stupid garden stake solar lights. You put them out in the daytime, you let them work, and then you sit here and you bring them into the house and you can use them. They're not a strong light, but trust me, your eyes will adjust to low light conditions the longer we're off of the grid. Crayons. I wasn't going to go there, but yes, you were right. Crayons will work depending on the brand. If you get if you get the crayons like the if you can actually find the actual Crayola crayons, uh, and all you need is a piece of string, 
you can make a candle in a heartbeat. You don't need a string. I don't want... Okay, yes, that's true. Dang it. I have cool ideas and I get told not to. What do you mean? Okay, let's hear your idea with this. I'm just saying you don't need the string for the crayons. Fair. You're well. It, again, that also depends on the brand crayon. <laughs> yeah, really. If you're going to do Crayola, you do not need a string. If you're using Rose Art, you do not need a string. However, they have an extremely low melting point, so I suggest you have a wax coated Dixie cup to put that to burn them in. Because if not, you're going to be wearing a lot of wax. Uh. When I was taught to make, uh, we had the power go out for 21 days when I was growing up. And uh, dad goes, oh, we're going to make candles. I was like, how are we going to make candles? We took a box of those crayons and we used a, uh, a can. We cut the top off the can, a piece of string, and we melted it down in there. We And those things burned for, I think we had one that burned for over 72 hours. Right. So, I mean, it's easy. Once you understand the basic, you know, for light, once you understand the basics of what you need, you can make a candle out of just about anything. You want to know the best one I've ever seen? Hmm. That was done totally off of the, uh, totally, uh, like, I was, I have heard of them before, but I've never seen it. It was a Crisco candle. The dude used a can of Crisco. I say that bacon fat. Right. So, <laughs> holy shit, I hadn't thought about that, but it makes sense. So, moving on to the next one, we have long burning candles. They have emergency candles that can theoretically burn for seven days, is the longest one I've seen. I'm sure there's ones that are more, but they're huge, right? If you're looking for just smaller ones, there are long burning candles that last 24 hours. Again, you do not need the candle for any other purpose other than light. You won't even need it on the entire time, just when people are awake. All right. Plus, in the cold, you're going to want a long burning candle to add some heat. Then you have the kerosene lamp of fuel, which is what we used for heat source earlier. <gasps> Flashlights, if you have batteries, are good, but save them. Save the flashlights for fighting situations or security situations. And then you have hand cranks and solar lanterns. If you have a child, give them the hand crank and tell them to go to town. I guarantee you that thing will always have a full charge. <laughs> Don't even give it to a kid. Give it to me if I'm bored. Holy shit. Fair. And then you have mat <laughs> then you have matches and lighters, Bix. It doesn't have to be a Zippo. As a matter of fact, Zippos are incredibly inefficient when it comes to uh, holding on to their fuel and burning it. Uh, unless you have like the, uh, the Thunderhawk, uh, butane inserts for the Zippos because the liquid itself will evaporate at a relatively quick rate. So Bic lighters are dependable. They're cheap and you can store them everywhere. And most people even smoke, even non-smokers have at least five in their house for some reason. And matches. I think they, I think they spawn. I do too. I think they're like mimics. They just Thank show up you. out of I'm nowhere. Really, I'm gonna start questioning every lighter I don't recognize now. <laughs> All right. So now let's look at some basic tools that will make it your life much easier during an emergency. Right. 
We talked about lighters. Uh, waterproof matches are good if you have the space for them. If not, stick with your lighters. Uh, batteries in various sizes. A manual can opener. The amount of people who will die due to starvation because they don't have a manual fucking can opener and don't know common sense will sit here and die because they'll try to open a can with a fucking butcher knife or some bullshit, right? However, if for some reason you do not have the, uh, is it the P38 can opener? Or a regular cheap manual can opener? If you turn the can upside down and rub it on a rough surface, such as brick or concrete, you can eventually break through that seal. It is a it is a method of last last resort, but it does work very well. I suggest you also have basic hand tools, pliers, screwdrivers, wrenches, hammers, duct tape, always duct tape, super glue. Super glue is good for stitches in small wounds, you know, that are deep, but there's, they're, they're relatively small. Uh, if you do that, I recommend that you be bigger than the person you're putting the glue on because <laughs> it stings like a bitch. Sewing kits and bungee cords. You can expand those depending on what skills you have, right? But those are the best. You want a first aid kit. Actually, I'm going to go against my own advice here. You want a minimum of one IFAC, which is an individual first aid kit per person, plus one large trauma group first aid kit. So your first aid kit would contain medicines that you need, a tourniquet, uh, band-aids, wraps, stuff like that, cough medicine, anti-nausea. I, I know you like tampons, but I would put the tampons for you would work, but for the bigger kits, you want stuff like wound care items, antibiotic ointments, sprays. That's where I was going to throw tampons in, right? But I get having them on your IFAC just in case. Hopefully you're not going into combat, but you never know. Right. You also want a pretty good, decent supply of any medications, over-the-counter medications like uh, pain relief, uh, cold and cough medicines, anti-nausea, allergy medications, uh, a good uh, medical guide, uh, a, a basic first aid kit book, and then a big first aid kit book, like one that covers everything. And then a book of natural remedies for your area. So one that talks about these are herbs, medicinal, traditional ways to heal people from your area. Now, here we come to the one that we get to debate the most about because <laughs> this is, well, not really this one, but the next one. So the next one is special needs, stuff that every family has that will be different, right? So this is where you would put prescription medications if you have children that have diapers, uh, people that have allergies to certain uh, foods. This is where you would you would classify their food groups. Um, Baconators do not fall into the special needs category. 
Um, if you have pets, this is where you would list their supplies, dog food, uh, cat food, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, the best way to figure out what your special needs are in your family is to sit here and make a list right now for the next two weeks. List the stuff that doesn't fall under food or water or you know any of the other categories and write them down. What type of prescriptions do you have to take? Do you have somebody who suffers because they have a migraine? And do you have somebody who sits here and somebody who's prone to injuring themselves, right? So you need to sit here, carry uh, like horse liniment uh, for their muscles or uh, icy hot or whatever, right? Because they injure themselves a lot. Moleskin. Put moleskin on the medical and in the special need. Fuck the yes. moment, the moment that you start to feel a warm, a hot spot on your foot, stop, change your socks, put on the, or put on moleskin and change your fucking socks immediately. <laughs> moleskin saved my life so many times. Even right? if I was working in a kitchen or something like that, I, I always had it in the car just in case. <laughs> right. So as you continue on your, on your preparedness journey, right. You'll find that there are items that are very important to you. Morale is a good one, right? Uh, a deck of cards, uh, a, a, a trivia game, uh, a Bible, that kind of stuff, right? And then as you progress beyond the basic stuff that you have at your house, you want to look up uh, bug out bags uh, and, and build a bug out bag, which is just smaller condensed versions of this list. But it's ready to go at a moment's notice. Don't don't be surprised when this mindset that you have to develop causes you to want to be more self-reliant. Like me, I went to starting to add uh, sewing supplies, woodworking tools, gardening tools. They wanted me to sit here and get... Uh, other supplies, uh, you know, neat little gadgets. Oh, this will make my life easier. So I thought, right. <laughs> so, you know, as you build skills, oh, I've learned to become a blacksmith and learn how to make nails and hooks and stuff like that, and knives. Right. So now I need a blacksmithing hammer. It's not something I'm going to put in my bug out bag, but at the house is something that I have. Right. Uh, don't forget that. Uh, Can I make what? a statement? Go ahead. The bug out bag. Everybody gets way too complicated and too complex with their fucking bug out bag. I just want you to keep this one phrase in mind. Keep it simple, stupid. I like I like the kills method better than keep it simple. My mine is kill or kills. Ready? Keep it light. And simple because if you have a bug out bag, a bug out bag means that you're walking or that you are bugging out for some reason. The heavier your bag is, especially if you've never trained, will determine your survivability within 24 hours. If you're carrying 160 pounds of gear because you took everything on our list and when I'm taking it all with me, nobody else can have it somebody's going to get fucked up. <laughs> and, and it will be you. It's going to be you. <laughs> yeah. 
It's going to be you. Now, I, what do you think is a standard weight that most people could carry? Do you want my honest opinion? Yeah. Your three-day bug out, because remember, based off of the book that we covered last week, right? The survival theory. The the three I have multiple bug out bags. A three-day bug out bag should sit here and be no more than 20, 22 pounds. Right. A a lone wolf pack should not be more than 50 pounds. And that's if you have if you have trained. Should be 50 pounds. See, I've, I, mine's always, I keep it around 40 to 40, you know, between 40 and 50. Usually if I can get it lighter. Yeah. Now, if you've trained a lot to carry, say you have younger children. If you have younger children, you're going to be carrying more. As the children get older, they can carry more stuff. When it was me, my wife, and my two boys before my boys were big enough to carry their own packs, I was probably carrying 75 to 100 pounds. But I had trained to walk that with that weight, right? If I had, if I had, had to do it now, my boys are carrying me. <laughs> Your boys are big enough to carry you. Holy shit. Yeah, well, now, yeah. So, all right. So another no, that's that that was the one thing I wanted to, to touch on that again though. It's gonna feel like if you've never trained, 40 pounds is not gonna feel that bad for the first hour. I call bullshit. I know that there are people in our audience that if I put 40 pounds on their back, they'd be done in less than 20 minutes. Okay, fair. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not, let's be realistic here. There are people who, if I asked them to do a push-up, would fucking die in one push-up. These are not the people who are going to have a lone wolf pack on their back. They need to get, like, a weighted vest of some sort or build a bug-out bag, weigh it, and put that shit on your back and get to walking. It doesn't have to be running. Remember, humans are persistence hunters. We don't have to be the fastest but we are the longest endurance animals on the planet. That's how we survived. That's how we hunted animals that were faster, meaner, and stronger than us. That we got more, better and better at throwing rocks. Fair. Speaking we- of rocks, the last aspect that I want to talk about of preparedness is one that often gets overlooked by beginning preppers or people who are uh, just starting to get woken up. And this is the ability to protect your home and your family. If you aren't already in this mindset, the idea of bringing home a firearm can be overwhelming. You need to be prepared to protect your home and family. If you are a man and you are not prepared to protect your home and your family, then you're not a man. If you don't have the ability to protect your home, that literally is one of the requirements of being a dude, is we protect. Oh, no, that's just toxic masculinity. Anyway. Fuck you. So, so get a gun. <clears throat> Train on it. Don't buy one and put it in a fucking drawer. Don't, don't buy one and, and leave it at somebody else's house because you have a kid. 
get it, train with it, introduce your children to it early, tell them that this is not for them, make them respect the firearm so that there's not any fear there, take them to the range, train you, train your spouse, train your kid as much as you can. You don't want a firearm? Fine. There are swords, knives, hand-to-hand combat. Trust me. Firearms make people equal much better than how what belt you have in jujitsu, or yeah, jujitsu, or if you have a knife. If I have a gun and I get the drop on you, you're dead. One of my favorite ways to explain that to people is: Do you remember watching Indiana Jones where the dude jumps out with the sword? <laughs> He's like, "Whoa!" And Indiana Jones just shoots him. Yeah. I always refer back to that scene. They look at me. Why? It's like, because if you think you're going to come out of this with your hands clean, you're a fucking moron and you're going to die first. Right. Now, there are a lot of books. I suggest that you go to our Telegram channel. It is in our link tree, which is linked in every podcast episode. If Join the link. Uh, join the Telegram channel. There are books and books and books. Anything you want to know about prepping is there. And if it's not there, I have it in my house, and I'll be more than happy to put it into chat, right? I suggest you go in there and read. Pick out ones you like. If you find ones that you like, that you try out, that make sense to you, buy the physical copy of that book. Now, Here's your homework for this, the for for prepping. Ready? Write a master list. Go through, write a list of the things that you feel are the most important for your family's preparedness plan where you lack. Right? Organize the list by checking off the things you have. Then organize the supplies that you have to get into kits. Uh, stuff like this is for light, this is for heat, this is for cooking, right? This is for cleaning, pandemic supplies, off-grid lighting, batteries, power supplies, you know, little solar panels, little hand crank thingamabobbers, right? Put them into kits, label them, don't touch them. Now, write a minimalist list of the things that you must have for survival. These are the things that you don't have right now, but you need to get. I suggest that you go through these episodes multiple times and the things, get them in order. Food, cooking, or water, cooking, food, right? Start by covering all the bases with just a skeleton kit, stuff that will get you on a week, right? It, it should include food that doesn't require cooking, right? Uh, it should have a way to keep warm, water, sanitation, stuff like that. Make a kit for a week, put it off to the side. That's your minimalist list, and then add to it. Then write the big list. This is the dream list that you have, right? It's the stuff that if you see, if you're driving down the road and there's a yard sale, right, and you see a wood stove that's beat up a little bit rusty, but it still works, and it's on sale, get it. As your budget allows, pick one or two things on the big list. Go for the big, high-ticket, expensive, comfort items and work your way off of that list. This is your pie in the sky, 
right? And and then knock it off, right? A little bit at a time, right? And I want to I want to I want to end it with this one, right? We started these two episodes saying first off, don't panic. Start with your basics in each category and add it to your time as your budget allows. Just don't panic. He who panics first dies first. You got anything else? You want to talk about news since we covered the prepping part? Not really. I want to I want to focus on the prepping. I think one thing that we haven't mentioned and I know it's probably because we're trying to keep it as simple as we can, but when you're going through your list, like let's say you've got a hammer, you need a, a small shovel, and you're looking for a hatchet. Get a survival shovel that's got the hatchet blade and the hammer attachment to it. I, keep it I, I, I understand for, for purposes, but so often in a survival community, you get these combination items, and then they suffer in all three categories because to make them universal they usually don't have oh yeah the shovel's a bad idea like uh, if you need a hammer then get um oh this is gonna drive me nuts because i know the name of it and there's a, a tool that we use in finishing it looks like it's a hammer on one side and it's a blade on the other right you can you get something like that, or if you're, you know, learn what you can and cannot consolidate. Because if you can get something that does three jobs efficiently, that saves you from carrying three different tools. Well, I'm not okay. saying you just go out and buy a, a utility. Like I, uh, I've saw one of the survival shovels. I'm sitting there going, "This is fucking stupid," right? <laughs> like this is overly complicated. All right. So there is a there was something that came out. Uh, a while ago, I have to see if I can find it, right? It is called a, I want to say it's called a Creval. No, it's not a Creval. The guy invented it. He was on Doomsday Preppers, right? And it took the prepping world by storm. It was this huge, like, was it this one? But you get what I'm trying to say. It's like if you can consolidate something efficiently, you should. Yeah. If you can, but you don't want to you don't want to sit here and use you don't want to sit here and use um something that gives up any quality for anything else. Fair enough. Like, um, I keep coming back to that damn shovel because I, I hate those things. <laughs> but um, you want to look for something. Like, you don't want it to be overly complicated. You're talking about the ones where you ha- it's got the the handle and then it's how you put the shovel head on is how it can be used. No, oh. I've seen. I hate. Yes, those I've seen those work. My oldest one has one. And he loves it. And I'm like, really? No, it. I, I'll have to find it and, and well, like show a, it on the episode tomorrow. But it's, I'll try I'm to, like. 
I'll try to get mine. Uh, I have a survival knife that I, it keeps like in the handle itself. It, it's a watertight space and it keeps a lot of, you can keep a lot of simple stuff in there. Like, um, fishing line it can hold up to what well, i have 30 feet of fishing line a bunch of fishing hooks and i also have a strike a uh, magnesium striker i would not do that but that's a personal preference more than anything else why because i've just the handle gets no i've seen people die because they've used that knife like a knife should be used and because it's got a hollow ass handle it fucking eats them fair but mine's a, a full welded okay <laughs> you'll like mine it's uh, about an eighth of an inch thick all the way around on the handle on the grip itself and it's welded into the tang it won't break trust me I used it to- again I would rather have individual tools than <sighs> Stop. I would rather have individual tools than one that suffers all suffers a sufficiency because they tried to make that's why I hate uh son of a you having trouble over there? Yes. I'm trying to spell it and it fucking Google keeps auto correcting it. Fuck you, Google. Tell us how you really feel. You auto correct this shit one more time. Swear to God. <laughs> hey, now you know how it feels to be me and do anything with a goddamn computer. <laughs> I don't know how many times though I've seen people fail uh, in a survival situation because they tried to make it more and more and more sophisticated and they didn't keep it simple. The less parts there are, the less likely it is to fail. Fair. Which is why I like, I like, okay, I get the camping shovel, right? The ones that fold up, right, for space. I get them. I'm not happiest with them, but they're a little latrine trench shovel. Okay, I get that, right? But the ones that have the pick on the end and they fold over so that you can squat on it and... You know, if you change the heads, you have a axe or a spear or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of laughing because yours is kills and mine is kiss. <laughs> No, at least. All right, here. Uh, I'll, Did you find it finally? It. Yeah. All right, there we go. So it's got a shovel on one end, your standard shovel, right? It's got your standard shovel. And on top of that, it's got a, a hammer, a pick, a crowbar, and a hatchet all built into it. And it looks cool, and it's supposed to be strong, but I here I'll send it. That, it sounds about as useful as that uh, axe that has like six heads to it. Hold on, 
I put it in chat so you can see it. All right, all right, all right. We're going to go check this out. And uh, what in the sweet bejesus is that? Now, don't no. get me wrong. The dude put it through some hella damaging stuff, right? But it fails. Like, if you only had one tool and needed to do everything that this did, maybe, right? For a short time. But if you needed it for survival, just bring the other tools. Why does this look like? Yeah, why does this look like somebody had like a LSD trip and then thought survival? Think okay. Have you ever seen the show Doomsday Preppers? Eh, once or twice. Okay, the guy who invented this was on one of the episodes, and he tried to use his episode to sell it. That this would be the only survival tool that you would need. And they sit here and they tested the shit out of it. And that little ball at the top, you can attach a spike. So you can use it for offensive purposes too. And it's like, he created it to be so many things. And it was popular for about six months. Till people started to get it. If they could get it. Because the dude was making them himself. Right? So, yours is what? Keep it light? Huh? Keep it light and simple? Mine's keep it simple, stupid? That's yeah. one of those keep it simple, stupid moments. Yep, yep. I mean, it, it it's nice if, like, let's say you have the shovel and it bends over and you can use it as an axe. Okay, okay. So, it weighs five pounds, almost six pounds, right? That's dead weight right there. So it it is built to take a beating. However, they try to add more stuff. And at the time, when they first came out, they were like $400 a piece. Mm. Now yeah, their latest bad. now their latest generation they're only $145 each. Well, if we start talking about tools, we can go for another hour, so we probably better wrap it up. Fair. All right. So, tomorrow is our live stream. Hopefully, you have watched the movie for the homework for to have the discussion. My plan was to watch it tonight. I knew that you didn't watch it. Look, I was going to do it last night, but in my defense again, you all left me unsupervised, so I went out and found mischief. And a date. Anyway. Ooh, I'm telling. Oh, shit. Well, uh, anyway, now that I've planned my own funeral. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, we are going to talk about the movie. We're going to talk about what mistakes they made. We're going to talk about all of the craziness that's going on. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, our, the United States has officially entered 1984. All that fun stuff. So uh, with that being said, I'm Odin. This is Tia. And we'll see you on another episode of Winter's Call Podcast. All right. Thank <laughs> you.